Would you open God's precious holy word to the 138th Psalm? Psalm 138 through 145 are the final eight Psalms of David. He reveals to us his heart toward God and many other things that we'll study over the next few weeks in these Psalms. This is also a book that the Jews use. They take these Psalms out of, out of that fifth book of the Psalms and this, they carry this book, these particular Psalms, as a book of private prayer and praise. And then after these Psalms come the Hallel Psalms that will finish out the Psalms in this portion. But anyway, let's look at uh, Psalm 138 and the wholehearted thanksgiving of David. There came a time when David acknowledges that God has answered him in his prayers of David or a psalm of David. I shall thank you with all my heart before the princes. Now this is, this is, okay, it's hard to think with a pagan mind, but uh, you're, the, the pagans, actually the word is Elohim. And Elohim, it's right there. Elohim is the word for God. It's in the plural, but in its general reference to God, the singular pronoun follows. So God is the great triune God. But here, you could say before the gods, before the gods I shall sing, your praises. Okay, David is king here. And he's writing these psalms now as the king of Israel. The challenge that he faces is that the surrounding nations do not want a unified Israel. And they sure don't want a powerful king with united Israel behind him. Israel is easy pickings when they're just in tribal units and they have no particular uh, powerful king or leader and they're, they're fractured, they're, they're in parts. That makes them weak and easy to control. These surrounding nations, of course, have their own gods and once David begins to emerge as king of united Israel, naturally he becomes the enemy of those who are around him. So they all having their gods call upon their gods to help them in their campaign against Israel. But it doesn't matter. God gave David many victories and he says before the gods or before the princes, before these magnates, these, this spiritual evil worshipped by these other nations, I shall sing your praises in their presence. I shall prostrate myself toward your 
holy temple. The sanctuary, the holy temple, the, the, the abode of God, the place where was housed the Ark of the Covenant, which spoke of the promise of Messiah because it was wood, speaking of human, uh, the humanity of the Christ, covered in gold, speaking of the deity of Christ, containing the, the Ten Commandments with other things, uh, proving the purity and holiness of Christ that he would be the one who would keep the Ten Commandments in our behalf. Well, David says, I shall prostrate myself toward your holy temple and I shall give thanks to your name for your covenant love, chesed. For your covenant love, maybe yours says loving kindness or mercy or something, but the word speaks of the covenant love and, and it entails all those other things. For your covenant love and for your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Now that's an interesting phrase. Even Bible scholars throughout the centuries have tried to make that last phrase something other than what it is. I don't understand why they would. But they try to explain away the importance that God has placed on his word. Now it says above all your name or above every one of your names. You will see that God takes to himself various surnames through the scriptures. Uh, Yahweh Rafi, he's, or Yahweh this, or Yahweh that, he's, he, he's the God of strength, the God of banners, the God of redemption. He's the, the God of armies. And he is Yahweh of those things. And so he takes these surnames added to Yahweh so that people in a particular and distinct set of circumstances will understand that he's the very one who will deliver them. And this is the power that he will demonstrate when he delivers them from the circumstances they find themselves in. So in that case, he's Yahweh this or Yahweh that. And then he takes on another surname in other places relative to the circumstances in which they find themselves. Now, if you put all those together, if you put all the names that God gives to himself together, you will have God who is fulfilling his word. He has, a, he has a purpose. He's made promises to his people. David has received the Davidic covenant that he, God has guaranteed by covenant that David will be the progenitor of the Christ. That somewhere down the Davidic line will emerge the Christ of God, the son of David. So God works in all of these ways and reveals himself in all of these ways by showing his name and the power that he takes to himself in his name in sets of circumstances throughout the Old Testament. All of this comes together to prove and to show that whatever God says is true. Look at what he says. Uh, Give thanks to your name for your covenant love and for your truth. 
For you have magnified your word above all your name. All the names of Yahweh that are given through the scriptures come to rest finally upon the last name of Yahweh that is given in the scriptures, Yahshua, which is Jesus. Two of the gospel accounts give to us the lineage of the Christ. We learn in careful study that one of those takes us down the legal road to Joseph, his adoptive father. The other takes us down the literal road through Mary. And he is seen in every way the Messiah, the Christ of God. When you come to Yahshua, there are no other names given in the scriptures. No other names with any other surnames. All of these things come to rest on Yahshua, which is Yahweh saves or Yahweh savior. So every other particular name in the Old Testament on its own can never be equivalent to Yahweh saves, but you put them all together and in all of the ways that God acts for his people in the Old Testament, how he shows himself, in other words, he can do anything at any time for his people. And that's revealed in his name in the Old Testament in the Hebraic uh, tradition as inspired by God. So it all comes to rest on the name of Jesus, Yahshua. You have magnified your word above all your name. Now, an important step along the way is the Davidic covenant. David, always surrounded by enemies, always facing a threat, always going to war and never losing those wars because God is with him. You have magnified your word above all of your name. This speaks to us of how important, of the importance that Yahweh places on his word. I'm, I'm Yahweh for you here. I'm Yahweh for you there. In whatever set of circumstances, I'm Yahweh. I'm God, the almighty God. How, but as, as you go along the way, you will see that my word permeates this whole thing. And I am this for you because I said I would be this for you. You have magnified your word above all your name. On the day that I called and you answered me, you made me great, putting strength into my soul. David came to prominence in the scripture as a shepherd boy. A shepherd boy, of course, who defeated the giant. And, of course, he also acknowledged that it wasn't by his power, but it was by the hand and, and power and strength of Yahweh that he did these things. But he comes on the scene early in his life. And God infused into the life of David his spirit that he might have strength. 
In another psalm, David says, You have made my hands to know war. You have made my fingers to do battle. You have gave me the feet that I need to run and perform the things of a great warrior. There was no, there was no greatness to David in and of himself. Of course, God used his life's experiences growing up as a shepherd to make him fearless. He knew what he could do with what he had. So God gave him all of the resources he needed to be the king that Israel needed in those days to preserve the promise of the Christ of God. Of God. So he says, there was a day when you answered me. The promise of the Messiah, the greatness of the word of God, the knowledge that God's word is true and that God will make of us what he needs to make of us, thus magnifying his word above all of his name to show to us his name and his covenant love and his truth. David is a case in point. But the answer to David's prayer is a witness to those who are around him. Yahweh, all the kings of the earth will acknowledge you, for they heard the words of your mouth. And they will sing of the ways of Yahweh, for great is the glory of Yahweh. Now this, a, this begins to reveal itself in the life of, of King David. So many times they would have to acknowledge the greatness of God. I mean, there was no other answer because many times David would be outnumbered, the enemy would have superior weapons, and so forth. But they would have to acknowledge that David's God was greater than their God. And this is just a type of the praise that will come from the mouths of kings in the day of millennial glory when Christ will sit on the throne of David as the son of David for those thousand years and the kings will acknowledge the greatness of Yahweh by the son of David. And then even beyond that, where you may remember in the Revelation, the kings in in the new heaven and the new earth, the kings will bring the glory of the nations into the new Jerusalem to the Christ. So this is the kind of thing that is within the experience of David and it is a microcosm of the macrocosm which is the honor and praise of all leaders everywhere as they are permitted to lead in times yet to come. Great is the glory of Yahweh. The presence of Yahweh in the answered prayer of David. For Yahweh is high, but he sees the lowly. And he chastises the haughty 
from afar. That's interesting. He is near to the lowly. Expresses love, embraces the lowly. But the haughty, he's far away and from that distance chastises the haughty. If I walk in the midst of distress, you revive me. You know, someday we will finish 1 Samuel on Wednesday nights. And it is my plan to go right into 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel is the record mostly of the adventures of David. Shepherd boy who becomes a king. We will find in his life he is distressed many times. He is betrayed. His own son betrays him. He runs for his life. He hides in caves and in tall weeds. On a particular occasion, hiding from Saul and they're beating the weeds and thrusting their spears and swords, slashing away, knowing that he's close and they're going to kill him. Great distress. But he says, in the midst of distress, you revive me. Now, in those cases, and we've already studied many of those psalms, David starts out in one of those circumstances. He's afraid. And he gets sassy with God. He questions, what is this? But as he hides and sits there and all of the pricks of the spears and the thrusts of the swords go everywhere but in him... In the middle of the psalm, he begins to acknowledge the presence of Yahweh. And then, having survived the circumstances, at the close of the psalm, he is praising Yahweh for all that he does. Starts out as a distressed man, calms down, and then becomes... A worshiper, someone offering praise because of this circumstance that seemed otherwise impossible to escape, filled with distress. But now looking back on that, King of Israel, David, if I walk in the midst of distress and I've done it so many times, you revive me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch forth your hand and your right hand saves me. The right hand in the Bible, in the Old Testament, is the hand of authority, the hand of power. So the powerful hand, the hand of authority from Yahweh, was always there to save David. David carried the promise of the Christ. And you have to look at it this way. Every time Yahweh delivered him... He delivered me because Yahweh made David the progenitor of my Savior. And he has placed his word above all of his name, so he has to deliver. 
regardless of the set of circumstances, regardless of David's life, regardless of what has happened to bring him into that mess that he was in, he has to deliver. So he says, against any wrath of any enemy, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how bad I felt, how lowly I was. You were there to revive me. And it was your right hand, the hand of your power, that always was there to deliver me or to save me. Yahweh will complete that which concerns me. We're, you know, we're still riding the wave of that promise in a sense. Now, of course, Christ has come. He died for us on the cross. He, he, has, he was raised and has ascended into heaven and, and there he intercedes for us. And yet still we will be gloriously resurrected and we will live for him in his kingdom, with him in his kingdom. In a sense, this is still being worked out in our lives because the last of the people of God have not come into the fold yet. I don't know when they're coming in. But the fullness of the times of the Gentiles is not full. <laughs> it's not been completed. But Yahweh will complete that which concerns me. Now what concerns David? The coming of the Christ. Now you think of the history of Israel from the time of David the king until the birth of of the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem and all that happened to those people. Read the history of these people in the intertestament period. The horrors that they faced and, and, and up through the Maccabean period and all that, those 400 years. But they carried a promise that God had made through David, especially among the Jews, the tribe of Judah, the line of David, the son of David. Yahweh will complete that which concerns me. The Savior will come, born of a virgin. The Savior will die on the cross. The Savior will be buried the Savior will defeat the grave. The Savior will ascend into heaven. The Savior will be enthroned. The Savior is priest and king. And as my priest and as my king, he intercedes for me and he overlords me. He watches after me, all promised to David. He's coming again for me. I will rule and reign with him. I will live forever with him. Yahweh will complete that which concerns me, David said. Yahweh, your covenant love is eternal. It is from everlasting to everlasting. It is from before time. We talked about that today. It is from before time. It will go through time and into the new order of things. When this present order is destroyed, your covenant love is eternal. Do not forsake the works of your hands. 
The interesting thing about the Psalms, the songs of David, his prayers that he made into songs, is that it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is inspired by God. God breathed, we're told. Paul writes to Timothy, all Scripture, it's breathed of God. That's, that, that's interesting. God gave these very words to David. He gave the very words of his prayer, of his song. And God directed David to tell Yahweh, do not forsake the works of your hands. Do you know why God could inspire that? Because God has power, the power, to fulfill whatever he said he would do. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can defeat him. So God says, go ahead and say that. I will inspire you to say that. Do not forsake the works of your hands. I'll take the challenge. I will never forsake my own. I will never lay my plan aside. I will never annul my purpose. I will not forsake the works of my hands. And so God inspires the king, David, to challenge God Almighty regarding the works of his hands because it's as good as done. In the, heaven, in the heavenly realms, in the presence of God, who is not bound by time, it's already done. Well, we'll stop there. Let's pray together. We'll be through. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your omnipotence and for your omniscience, for your omnipresence. We thank you for your master plan. Oh, God, how can we say thank you for putting us in as part of it? How can we? And so we just give our thanks and offer our praise to you for your Greatness. Nothing can escape you. Father, this is an important week to us and to our nation, and you already know. But on this side, we must pray to see the works of your hands accomplished as you see fit, and then to accept it, knowing that your vote is the only one that counts, really. And so we pray your blessings upon your people as we travel through this particularly difficult time of, of, of disease and other challenges and give us blessing and help us to know with the King David that you will complete all that, that is concerning you and your people and that you will not forsake the works of your hands. So give us this joy and fill us with praise toward you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here.